English with Rob. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the English with Rob podcast. Thank you for choosing this podcast to improve your English. I'm Rob, and with me today is Stephen Collings, who who I work for. Uh, Stephen, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a bit about the company Four Words? Yeah, hi Rob.、Uh, yeah, my name's Stephen Collings. I'm the managing director of a communication consulting and training company called Four Words. And、uh, yeah, Rob and I have the honour of working together,、um, helping people improve their English, improve their communication skills, and just generally be better communicators with each other in、uh, various languages and also in、um, different work circumstances. Be it day-to-day communication for specific purposes, we pretty much cover everything in the area of training. Right, and because.、Uh Stephen is such an expert, and because of the、um, the work, the fantastic work that the company does, I thought that today we would make this podcast about business English. So, let's let's dig right in. I, I think、uh, Stephen is gonna is going to have a lot to say about this,、uh, and there's a lot we can cover. I'm sure there will be an episode two at some point.、Uh, but let's dig in with talking about. The difference between formal and informal, because when you say business English, when someone says I need a business English course, what comes straight to mind is it's going to be more formal than informal, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, it really depends on what the what the client's needs are, right? So、um, they come to us usually and they say, "I need to improve my English," and.、Uh, We guess usually what they mean is I need to improve my business English. So you're quite right in then saying, okay, well, we first need to identify what's the difference between the two when we talk about street English or or general English and business English. What exactly are we saying, and where's the difference? So primarily, the difference is it's the English, it's the language that you need to be able to speak at work with colleagues.、Um, So there's a certain level of professionality that you want to convey, that you want to、uh, communicate in.、Um, it's basically, so to say, your your shirt and tie English, and not your jeans and t-shirt English that you would have perhaps outside of the office. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, we're doing shirt and tie, shirt and tie English today.、It、sounds a lot more fashionable. Yeah. Jeans and t-shirt English. I speak jeans and t-shirt English at home, and I speak shirt and tie English in the office. But there are occasions when you might use、uh, t-shirt and jeans English in the office. Also, right?、It's- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's not a clear-cut thing, is it? Where you can say, okay, I use exclusively business English at work, and I don't use my My general English or my street English in the office at all—that would be, yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, definitely. There are absolutely times where you need to use both, right? Absolutely. Okay.、Uh, yeah, because you might seem if you speak with really formal language all the time to every colleague,、uh, you're not going to make, you're not going to find to build a good rapport with anyone. And I think sometimes you need that more casual language. 
with people who you work with more frequently or more closely to have a stronger bond and uh, to have a more, uh, what can I say, functional, easy working relationship? Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you know, just like in your own language, when you when you speak to someone, it represents the the relationship that you have with that person or the relationship that you want to have with that person. So, you know, if I'm talking to some top CEO of a company, we don't know each other very well. Um, I want to sell him something. He wants to buy something or we want to negotiate something. Um, then the language I use is very different to a colleague that I speak to every single day mm -hmm. where we're just talking to ask how each other's doing, just exchanging ideas on maybe some tasks that we work on together. And so the, the language required for these two instances is very, very different or mm -hmm. should be at least. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, um, we're going to talk more about, uh, formal language, business English, uh, lots of things related to it but i thought that we would start with a game and this game is called what's the formal word don't say come back say return situation don't say break off say adjourn situation don't say give up instead say quit Okay, Stephen, so what's the formal word? I'm going to say a regular word, not an informal word, just a average regular word. And I want you to okay. see if you can uh, think of a more formal alternative, which you might prefer to use in a business email or when speaking to uh, a working professional that you don't know very well. So uh -oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. And there are, I've got some answers here. Some have got more than one answer. And if you come up with one that uh, is not on my list, but I think, you know what? Yes, he's right. Then you'll get that right too. So there are seven. Okay, cool. Here's number one. But, 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 yeah, hmm. it's a okay, sunny day, go... but later it might rain. Right. Okay. I'd probably go with however. However is the first one on my list, but there are, oh, but yes. <laughs> however, there are a lot for this one. There's, <laughs> there's nevertheless, in spite of that, despite that, uh, you can put though at the end of a sentence, lots of yep. formal alternatives for, but okay, well done. Uh, that was the easiest one. So let's see if you get this next one. Keep to okay. keep. I recommend you keep this receipt. Recommend you keep this receipt. Hmm. Hmm. Before you gave the example, I was thinking actually of maintain. Ooh. Um, but that's a different type of keep, isn't it? Uh, you've got the right ending of the word. So I'm guessing if I've got the right ending, then the word on your piece of paper is probably retain. 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 You got it. Oh, I forgot to do the this last time. That's correct. That's correct. To retain something. 
uh, we recommend you retain this receipt, uh, especially if you need it for your taxes. Number three, to leave something out. Uh, the date was left out of the contract. Okay, I'm going to go with omit. Omit, that's right, omitted. The date was omitted from the contract to omit something. When you leave it out or something's not included, it's omitted. And, oh, I forgot. That's correct! So, where are we? Number four. Let. To let uh, the boss let his employees leave early. The boss let his employees leave early. What could we replace let with to make it more formal? Um, allow. That's correct! That's correct. The boss allowed his employees to leave early. Okay, and get. I need to get a German driver's license because of bloody Brexit. <laughs> there you go a mild you too yeah okay. a mild actually i already did it i already did it uh a mild swear word bloody um because steven is sort of my boss i'm not going to say the f word but bloody is another not so strong curse i need to get Flipping. a new a german driver's <laughs> license because of bloody brexit so what could i use instead of get um, I've got two words for you this time. I was thinking of obtain or acquire. That's correct! Yes, obtain was on my list. Uh, acquire is also a good one. Uh, get, and it, it doesn't say where from, just get somehow. Obtain, acquire. Excellent. Here's number six. Uh, to ask. Um, I'm emailing to ask about the price. Hmm. Again, another tricky one mm. because of the example sentence. I was originally thinking of request. Okay. Uh, I guess you're probably looking for inquire. I am looking for inquire. Good. To inquire or the noun and inquiry. Uh, very good. And yeah, I suppose request. Uh, what is the difference? Inquire is definitely to ask about something, but request is to ask someone to do something for you. Yeah, it's almost like um, asking for permission for something as well. You have mm, to request yeah. to do something. Okay, and here's the last one. Uh, help. Uh, would you mind helping me on this project? Um, hmm. Assist? Assist. That's correct! Yeah, well, you got them all. I didn't have to use my that's not correct button one time. Well hey, done. Okay. Look at me. See, Stephen knows what he's talking about when it comes to business English. <laughs> okay, well done. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. And the next thing is a conversation. We're going to have a conversation about business English. Here's the conversation jingle. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk. Let's chat. Let's have a conversation about this and that. Let's have a conversation, just me and you. Yeah, have a conversation, that's what we're gonna do. 
Okay, so I've got a few questions here, but if our conversation veers into other useful business English stuff, it's not a problem. So my first question is, business English, what should you avoid when using business English, when trying to speak in a more professional tone, what things should you avoid? Yeah, good question. Um, first things first, I would say is words you don't really understand. Uh-huh. Because, yeah, so, you know, you, you, you might be using it, it wrong. somewhere, but you're not quite sure what the word means, how to use it. You haven't thought about or haven't researched. Okay, well, how do I use that properly in a sentence? In which context? And uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, just using words you're not 100% sure about mm -hmm. makes you sound exactly like you sound, right? Like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, Cons you can be concise. And I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that actually, but it is true that maybe there's a word, especially with me, with my French and German, there's a word that I've sort of know, but I'm not too familiar with. And I might not have the right nuance of the meaning. Yeah, that's a good, good idea. Uh, yeah, what else should we avoid when speaking business English? Um, I think what's important is when, when you're speaking business English is to remember who you're speaking to, right? Uh -huh. um, so it's very important to avoid slipping into casual English. Mm. Um, so, for example, you know, if you're using more dialect, if you're using contractions, you know, so kind of compressed or compounded words instead of using full words or you're using slang, for example, mm -hmm. um, slang maybe from your region or just, you know, that you're, you and your friends know about, but uh, other people don't, or just in general slang that, let's say, isn't ideal for a business environment. Yeah, I, slang especially, there's an extra point there, isn't there, where when there are non-native speakers speaking with each other and there's the problem where some native speakers can use slang which is not well known uh, by non-native English speakers or maybe non-native English speakers have learned some slang and are using it but their counterpart who they're talking to might not know that slang and often it's figurative and can have a completely different meaning out of the context yeah and and you also mentioned contractions it's a good point and we're we're told to avoid contractions in formal and business english but do you think there's a difference between speaking and writing when it comes to contractions well yeah um we naturally use some contractions when we're speaking Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say, for example, I am Stephen. I'd say I'm Steve or I'm Stephen. Um, so there are, let's say, less heinous contractions that we use very frequently when we're speaking. Um, the trick sometimes can be the speed at which we're speaking, considering who we're speaking to. Right. So if we're speaking to someone that's maybe not so fluent in English, um, and we're talking 100 miles an hour using contractions where it's very hard to identify where one word stops and one word starts, then it makes it very, very hard to understand. 
yeah, con contractions and also other connected speech, definitely. Um, but in, in business writing, I always tell my students it, when you're when you're writing formal emails or reports, definitely avoid contractions. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When you're writing, you definitely need to avoid it as much as possible. Mm -hmm. what, what else is the what, what are the other differences between written business formal English and spoken business formal English? The detail, I guess, um, and how sentences are put together. Um, when we have a conversation, you know, it's it's not scripted, right? It just happens how it happens. We, we say what we want to say. Um, and so things naturally come out differently than if we have the time to sit down and, and think about what we're writing. Mm -hmm. So usually when we write things, you know, we're trying to be more compact. We're trying to be more precise. Um, we're writing for a specific purpose and there's no, let's say, outside influence affecting that creation, um, excuse me, affecting that creative process. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd also add that there are lots of set phrases with writing uh, that are sort of standard for it, especially when you're signing off the your email or your letter, like uh, kind regards if you sort of know them and you're sincerely if you don't know them. But also things yeah. like how you open like, oh, I'm writing to inquire about you wouldn't say I'm speaking to you to inquire about would be would seem too formal or like a robot yeah it sounds quite odd and then well since we're talking about fixed phrases there's also telephone business english which has a whole host of fixed phrases like um who's who's speaking please and you'd say rob speaking or your name speaking not in normal you know grammatically correct english it would it would be rob is speaking or this is rob speaking but on the phone you can just say hello rob speaking and this is mm -hmm. an example of how there are certain fixed phrases which make your uh, telephone language very formal okay what's next yeah, on absolutely. my my question sheet here um I think you touched on this a little bit when we talked about spoken English, but does business English always need to be perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, I um, spend pretty much all of my working day, week, life speaking to people that certainly don't speak perfect English or perfect business English. And uh, yeah, including myself, right? You know, I'm, I've lived in Germany now for for up to 18 years and there are some germanisms that have definitely slipped into the way that i speak english um also some americanisms as well um sometimes pronunciation sometimes words um it's you know as far as i see it's, it's not wrong it's just different right it doesn't stop us from communicating effectively yeah definitely yeah th those americanisms are creeping in to my uh in my speech as well, like I, I say movie, I catch myself saying movie now instead of film. Uh, very yeah. American, just living outside of the UK and uh, going to the mall, not I'm going to the shopping centre. 
but mm-hmm. I've not quite gone far enough to start calling crisps chips and chips no. fries. <laughs> Don't think I ever no, will. Definitely not. <laughs> okay, let, let's let's touch on the subject of um, diplomacy in business English. I think it's a big uh, subject. Uh, is diplomacy important in business English? Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, it's one of the the key things to being a good communicator in general, and uh, especially in business. Is diplomacy is for me in a lot of ways synonymous with the respect that you have for the person you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, if I want to speak to someone respectfully, then I I speak to them with a degree of diplomacy. Yeah, I show them through my language, you know, um, I, I value our conversation. I value what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to me and I, I respect that. Um, the challenge, of course, when we think about diplomacy um, with other non-native English speakers is sometimes we don't realize that we're not being diplomatic because maybe in our language, it's okay to say something, let's say, um, more direct yeah, whereas, for example, perhaps in um, in British English or American English, if you use this direct address where you say things quite in a matter-of-fact way, then it can come across like you're being rude or, yeah, undiplomatic, let's say. Yeah, rude or direct. It's, it's a sort of lost, not lost in translation, but the the meaning isn't lost, but the, the tone can be lost in translation. Yeah, exactly. And Definitely. We've spoken about it before, but I have a theory that um, which is the reason why English, business English can be um, a bit, um, well, can be very different. And it's because many languages have a formal form, like in German, Stephen and I work in Germany, so we're very familiar with uh, du and sie. So if you're, if you're, friends with someone if you have an informal relationship you will address them as do this is you do but if you are in a formal situation you would say z this is also you in english it would just be you but in german there is two different forms and different ways of conjugating when you're using that form and it's the same in french it's the same in spanish i know that it's the same in uh a Cambodian, a Khmer language. Same in Russian too. Russian, okay. Um, I don't think it's all languages, but many languages have this switch where you're using a different ways of addressing people and different ways of conjugating to give the message, I'm being formal, I respect you because I'm using this language. I'm using this language to show you that I respect you. But in English, we don't have that. And I think we use all of this formal language, like the words which uh, we we gave you in the game, retain, obtain, permit, uh, inquire, as a different way to show people that we are being respectful and formal and polite. Uh, I mean, that's my theory. I haven't Googled it because I feel like if somebody said it already, I, I won't feel so proud of myself for coming up with it independently no I, I definitely agree with you you know um 
there, there's definitely uh, a lot of truth to what you're saying there, you know, and um, particularly in cultures like here in Germany, right, with this Dudsen and Siezen, um, it doesn't just change the language that we use, it changes the whole um, approach, the whole atmosphere mm-hmm. of communicating with that person. Yeah, and um, I actually, I remember uh, you met talking about a meeting that you'd had and you found it awkward because somebody in the meeting was addressing you with the formal form but addressing his colleagues with the informal form his or her colleagues yeah um and my german is not so good that uh it, well obviously i would notice it uh but my german is not so good to know is that okay or not but you you felt awkward it felt awkward. Yeah, it was extremely uncomfortable. I mean, um, the situation itself, without going into too much detail, you know, we were in contract negotiations, right? So, you know, quite a quite a formal affair um, where I was there as a service provider. I was there with another trainer uh, that was representing indirectly me and my company. Um, and we were there with uh, the... The company that was contracting us to to come in and uh, provide our services. So you know, you would think all across the board, quite a very, quite a very formal affair, right? And I was being, you know, addressed with this Z form, with this polite U form, and uh, was being spoken to in a very dry manner. Whereas uh, my my trainer that I was there with was being spoken to in the do form because you know they they speak to each other every day and it was extremely casual they were joking around like the whole atmosphere was immediately different with this person sitting not even a meter away from me to the right hand side uh-huh. yeah and then you have that contrast between the relationships uh yeah that's not great it's not it's not an ideal situation to be in i can imagine well, no, I mean, it's it's strange more than anything. I mean, on the one hand, I'm super happy that, you know, the trainer has managed to develop this relationship with our customer in such a way that they feel comfortable around them. That shows that we must be doing our job really well, right? Because, you know, good communication generates positivity. It generates this comfort. Um, but for the circumstances that we found ourselves in, namely negotiating a contract, it wasn't about comfort. It was about, you know, business, mm-hmm. prices, et cetera, et cetera, where um, if it were in a British English environment with other native English speakers, I'm not entirely sure that anyone would allow themselves to make that kind of switch in tone between two people sitting in front of them. Yeah, it would be weird. You'd be jumping into slang and maybe uh, not maybe some casual swearing if you wanted to be really informal it would be hard yeah it would be hard to do that to have a conversation really formally with one person and really informally with another person in the same room yeah absolutely or um you know this this whole phenom- phenomenon having words for my problems today i'm sorry mm-hmm. um this whole phenomenon of uh switching between do and z with the same person when the circumstance changes. And by that, I mean, let's say um, Phil and myself, we've been speaking uh, using this do form for weeks, for months. We know each other very well. We work very well together. Um, 
theoretically, I'm Phil's boss. And then we have our very first conflict situation, be it a difference of opinion or something, let's say, more serious, more more affecting our, our business relationship. Mm-hmm. And you see then uh, in German, it's extremely difficult to uphold this do form and escalate things in a negative manner. Yeah. And you see there's a certain degree of discomfort that has been caused by having too much comfort in our language communication to start with. But then, okay, this this is interesting for me because I'm never sure, like with my neighbours, I know them, but we're not really, you know, friends, like mates. So am I going to say do or z uh so w- would it be very unnatural if you've already have a, a, a informal do spoken relationship with someone in a not an argument in a in a when you've got an issue at work to to then switch back mm. to z is that not normal at all well the thing is if you do that right what you're then officially stating mm. is Right, our relationship has now officially retrograded back to a certain official distance through language. Yeah, it's almost like being served papers in the post. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, you're, because you're, you're saying up a very, wall. very officially. Exactly. It's, it's almost like you say linguistically, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> we are now dealing with each other at a certain emotional distance. I can see that, yeah. And the worst like thing that. is then what happens afterwards? You know, like, do we then go back to do? Difficult. <laughs> Very yeah. difficult. Uh, I can so, remember um, when living in France, and uh, so I went to the bakery probably every day because you know that bread in, in, in France, what it's like, so delicious. Yeah, it's killer. <laughs> and I would always say vous to the to the baker and the his family who worked in the um, in the bakery. And then one time I was walking past the shop as they were closing and uh, he, he he didn't use vu with me anymore. Uh, he used the informal form. Uh, and I was like, oh, I didn't say it, but I was thinking, oh, OK. Uh, so we switched. Right. OK, that's good to know. Uh, which made it more difficult the next day when he was closing his shop again and I was walking past. But I'd come home from a different uh, part of town where there is a really good bakery that I really like. And I got a baguette mm. from that other bakery and I was walking past him and he saw me with this other baguette. But um, still, uh, you know, two. He was addressing me as two. <laughs> you cheater. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think <laughs> I definitely bought more from him than I would have done had he not caught me. Uh, cheating with that with that other delicious more de- more delicious baguette. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Difficult. But this kind of brings us back full circle, really, doesn't it? To when we we think about how English works and a lot of the um, the techniques that we teach people, um, both natives as well as non natives, when it comes to using English effectively, is we don't have this luxury in English of do and z, right? So everything we say carries that much more weight, that much more value. So that kind of brings us full circle back to how we decide to use English, right? Uh, Because we don't have this luxury of uh, differentiating between do and z. 
Um, so everything we say carries a certain weight. It carries a certain value. It's a conscious decision of how we choose to speak to people and how they receive us. Yeah. So are they receiving us in a respectful tone? Are they receiving us in a very light, relaxed tone? You know, all of our words um, communicate more than just the message, but also the level that we're delivering that message at. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so I kind of advise Germans, for example, that that's how they should approach, you know, how they use do with their neighbours. So, you know, if you do have that conflict with a neighbour um, or that conflict with uh, the, the baker with the bread, um, if your general approach and your language that you use with that person stipulates a relationship with the suitable amount of distance, but still um, friendly, positive, light, then in most cases it's possible to maintain the do, yeah, mm -hmm. without feeling too uncomfortable or too awkward. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree completely. The nuance of language, uh, it's... It can help you, but it can also be a trap sometimes if you, like you said at the beginning, if, you, if you're using words that you're not sure about uh, and it, it can, maybe you, you know a little bit the meaning, but it's not quite right. It can have a really different response from someone also. Yeah. Or, you know, like um, the average British person has quite a, let's say, a, a humorous approach to to the language, right? We, we have quite a satirical humour, quite a dark humour sometimes, full of sarcasm. Yeah, not just language, and, uh, but uh, life, I think. Yeah, and you know, it's, um, it's an acquired taste to some, right? Definitely, to, to uh, many of my students. <laughs> I, I often will say jokes uh, which um, people don't expect or they're not ready for. It's, it's a tone which is maybe yeah. not joked about uh, in, in other languages. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I see this, for example, with, um, quite proficient language speakers. So non-native English speakers, right? Where they get to a level where they can really play with the language and then they start playing with humor or they start playing with sarcasm or they start playing with, with things that are, let's say from their culture, not within their usual wheelhouse, um, so they find themselves sometimes getting into embarrassing situations because they choose to joke about things in a certain way that they've obviously heard from someone somewhere, but it's very hard to gauge how do I use that myself in a way without then coming across super offensive or am I using it with the right people in the right circumstance is it the right situation for me to be joking like this? And sometimes that feeling is missing. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, right, the only way to work out whether it's right or wrong is to try it and see what the response is. Well, you you have mirrored what goes on in my head in many of my English lessons. <laughs> do I know yeah. the, do I know these students well enough to say this joke? Will will they respond well? Will they know it's a joke even? And uh, usually, I play it safe until uh, they know me more and know my humor. And I have it the opposite way with uh, students. Um, like this one particular student I'm thinking of, 
she is very sarcastic. And at the beginning mm-hmm. of our working relationship, I didn't know that she was very sarcastic because it's not, I don't often hear it in English lessons, but she was very sarcastic ab- ab- about some things. And at the beginning, I had to say, really, is seriously, or are you being sarcastic there? And and now I know yeah. when she's being sarcastic. So it's it's about how well you know each other as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's usually the advice that I give to most proficient non-natives is wait until you really know that your relationship is in a place that you can start playing with people's emotions and not just the language. Yes, there's you know um, oh, I hate it when podcasters say you know I saw this thing in a movie one time which uh, exemplifies this, but I saw something in a movie one time that exemplifies this. and it's a Clint Eastwood film called Gran Torino and have you seen it oh I know it yeah okay so maybe you remember this bit so he has a a young child who he is sort of caring for and he takes this child to a barber shop a hairdresser's where there's a friend he knows in there really well and Clint Eastwood and his friend have a relationship where they insult each other but it's not serious yeah like uh if i can't think of an example now without being super rude but they're they're super rude with each other but it's just a joke and then the kid comes in the next time and he's super rude to the barber the friend of clint eastwood and um it doesn't go down well the response is not great the the barber was not ready for it and he's hearing these bad words come out of this, I think the kid is maybe 12 years old, coming out of this 12-year-old's mouth. And as the viewers, we know why the the child is doing it, because he's trying to fit into that social situation. But he's not there in that relationship yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, the same thing goes for business, right? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've noticed with living here in Germany with people that start to get quite good at speaking English, um, you know, they they use the language quite flexibly, is um, I say to them, okay, yeah, you don't need to call me Mr. Collins, I'm Stephen. Or I just, you know, I don't say it like that, of course. I just say, hey, I'm Stephen or I'm Steve. Yeah. And so it's kind of, for some people, a free pass to talk to me however they like. That's also they think, right? Hmm. Um, but what I'm only really doing is adhering to the corporate social norm of using first names. So essentially, what's kind of going on in my head without me communicating it, communicating it is, this is my first name. Please still speak to me respectfully. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think um, in a in the you know business world con- context i think that's that's quite a norm people uh even though you've addressed you're addressing each other by first name there would still be like a professional level of um language going on uh, i think there is but i think there are some communicators that are maybe making or you know having their first experience with speaking english at that kind of level regularly on a daily basis um, so, you know, like younger managers or people moving into project management for the first time and um, they tend to get a bit too relaxed. 
Yeah, so they kind of, uh, you know, you, you invite them to take off their blazer and, you know, they're kicking off their shoes and putting their feet on the desk, linguistically. <laughs> yeah, because they're just not able to gauge what the difference is between, okay, where's that barrier between, going back to what we were saying before, between business English and street English? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so, you know, a, a lot of people, they, they, they learn English through movies, right? Through films, <laughs> and um <laughs> you're doing it too and uh so they you know they, they start thinking oh i could implement this phrase that i heard in this film or in this movie or whatever we want to call it and um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't um and maybe they're not really at that language level yet where they identify why does it work or why does it not work and they just say oh well you know he said his name is steve so i'm just gonna you know give it a go i'm just gonna speak how i always do Mm-hmm. Um, you're god and sometimes that right. goes well and sometimes it doesn't right <laughs> you're goddamn right yeah so god that that's from breaking right. bad i heard it on breaking bad so that would be okay in a conversation like this right no 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 yeah, no. yeah or um uh, i've been in meetings where um just the, the guy i was talking to was just a very relaxed english speaker non-native and like every second word was like cool, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, we could cool. do this, cool, yeah, sweet, cool, sweet and cool. And you know, had it been just a, a casual meeting where we were just talking amongst, let's say, um, business peers, fine, no worries. But when you've got like head of department, CEO, CFO, CTO in the room, um, the last thing you want to be saying is cool and sweet, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. And it happens to people that spend a lot of time speaking in this casual language with their colleagues that they just keep speaking like this when they go into other meetings as well because they just don't think about filtering how they're saying things. Yeah, yeah? that's a good it's point. It's kind of fluency first, accuracy second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I completely agree. Okay, let's do something different now. Yeah, cool. Let's play a game. But first, let's introduce a word. Uh, Stephen, what's what's jargon? What's jargon? So jargon is um, a word that means like a, a specific word or phrase that's used in a specific field. Yeah, a specific... So field. kind of like business slang. Business, oh, business slang is a really good way to to look at it yeah so in different fields uh for example you know like it has a lot of jargon words which it professionals know and might use with each other but people who are people like me who are not it uh savvy uh would not know Mm -hmm. so actually there's a lot of jargon in the in the english teaching industry as well uh, but we won't go into that because it's, it sounds a bit scary, all this, all this jargon. We're going to use some jargon that you might know, depending on where you work. Um, so this is a game about jargon. Jargon, jargon, when you don't know what's going on, going on. I beg your pardon, pardon, I think what you said was jargon, jargon. What does it mean? I don't know. Yeah, I beg your pardon. I think what you said was jargon. 
I beg your pardon is, is a nice formal way to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear you or I didn't quite get that. I didn't understand. I beg your pardon. Okay, so I'm going to give you some jargon and we'll see if you know what it means. But listen, don't worry, uh, because if you were asking me these questions and I had not done the research, I think there are many that I would not get. And uh, all you okay. podcast listeners, uh, see if you can get the answers uh, before or see if you can get more right than Stephen. Okay, so what do you want to start with? We've got business jargon, IT jargon, and medical jargon. Oh, good Lord. Let's start with medical. Medical, okay. So get your stethoscope ready. Uh, what does it mean if something is iatrogenic? Iatrogenic. Iatrogenic. I've got no idea. No. Uh, let me give you no. an example. Um, I'm afraid we will have to do the surgery again. The first one was iatrogenic. It means so it's something like that... unsuccessful. Unsuccessful, yeah. When something didn't go as planned. You say it was right. iatrogenic. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Stephen, I have to give you a... That's not correct. Okay, oh, no. so I, I, I would not have got that either. Uh, so here's a word that many people will know, but it's a little bit different in a medical context. The word is negative. Negative. Yeah, so negative is usually positive in medical situations, right? Yeah, because usually they're, they're so. talking about the results of a test. Yeah. So if you think like the coronavirus test came back negative, then that's a very positive thing because it means then I don't have the virus. Yeah. It, it, this can lead to a lot of... I've seen this in several uh, comedy TV shows where people get results and the, the doctor says, I'm afraid it's... Not I'm afraid because that would be wrong. The doctor says, your test results are negative. And they go, oh no, oh my God. And then they say, you know... That's a good thing, right? It means you don't have it. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> but very obvious also. <laughs> okay, your test results are negative. You can be happy about that. So what about this next one? Oh, sorry, I didn't give you a... That's correct! There we go. Um, thank you. If something is... So you you go to the doctor and he or she says... What you have is subtherapeutic. Subtherapeutic. What you have is subtherapeutic. Well, I know what therapy means. Uh huh. And I know that sub usually means under. Right. So I'm guessing it's something that can be um, solved or relieved by therapy. Not quite. Oh. That's not correct. Not by therapy. Oh, no. It's. It's so low, it does not need therapy. If something is sub-therapeutic, it's something which is at, at a very low level and any kind of therapy uh, would not be worth it. It's sub-therapeutic. See, fact, I couldn't put two and two together. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If it's sub-therapeutic, uh, I suppose you've wasted your time going to the doctor. Uh, here is the last medical one. Uh, Thank God for that. <laughs> Well, I think you started off with a difficult one. If something is atypical, 
What does it mean? It's atypical. It's atypical. It's unusual. Unusual, yeah. It isn't. It isn't completely normal. It's atypical. Yeah, not standard. Right now, there's, there's, I think something really interesting with this medical jargon is that they, ironically, because we've got the word negative here, which means a positive thing, they avoid negative language. So instead of saying it's strange or it's not normal, they will use the word atypical, and you know, typical is quite yeah. a, a positive word. Um, atypical just adds a little uh, prefix a atypical, uh, but it does sound a lot nicer than not normal. And Absolutely. what else? Yeah, and iatrogenic. Um, you know, if the doctor told me that the operation didn't go as planned, I would be more worried than if he said, "I'm afraid it was iatrogenic." Okay, this because mm -hmm. this jargon I'm not familiar with, so my brain has fewer negative associations with it. Yeah. Okay, let's move yeah, on. It's interesting that, isn't it? Just by by having that relationship to words, it really affects you know how you feel about things as well, right? D definitely, and I think with the medical industry, this has come out over years. You know, doctors often saying to people negative words about their conditions, and they think, oh, I have to find words which are not so hard hitting and uh yeah th there were a lot more on that list which i could have used uh which i found online okay let's go now to what do you want business or it uh let's go with business go on business okay uh in business jargon if people talk about an end user perspective what are they talking about end user perspective they're talking about the person that has to use it. So, for example, if it's software, they're talking about the person sitting in front of their PC using their, their final product. That's correct! Yes. Uh, I've got what the customer thinks about products or services. It is also an indicator of how a client would feel after having used the product or service. So these are things when products are being developed, uh, people in meetings might talk about Oh, we have to think about the end user perspective. Okay, here's a more idiomatic one. Uh, pick the low hanging fruit. We're going to pick the low hanging fruit on this one. Yeah. Okay. So the like the the easy targets. Yeah. So nice and idiomatic. You imagine the low hanging fruit. You can reach the apple from the tree. You don't need a big stick or a ladder to get the the apple from the top. And it means you are choosing the simplest option to accomplish something instead of doing something which might be better quality, but very difficult. If you pick the lower hanging fruit, you do the easiest thing. So that's correct. And uh, hard copy. Could, could you get me a hard copy of that, please? What's a hard copy? Yeah, so hard copy is on paper. Yeah, on paper, something physical, not not a, a digital electronic copy. Uh, I need yeah, a hard copy. Something tangible. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do some any paperwork here in Germany or in France, in my experience, uh, you need a lot of things in hard copy. Uh, you have to find yeah. out what they need in hard copy and what what is okay as a as a file as an electronic file. Yeah. 
here's the or, next um, one. Sometimes when you go to like German officials, right? Yeah. Um, they also ask you to have hard copies of things or you, you know, you have to take a hard copy for them to, to sign. Mm -hmm. A hard copy. And the, the hard copy uh, has to be uh, not, not, you know, young, not younger. Um, Older. It can't be six months. If it's six months old, it's too old. You need to get a new one. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's a translation of your birth certificate, because my, my birth yep. certificate never changes. Oh, but this translation is more than six months old. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, amen to that. Oh, Rob, <laughs> like, really? That's the story of my life with I, uh, getting paperwork I'm sure it's not, here in Germany. Yeah, I'm sure it's not just Germany. Um, other places have a lot of... Let, let's talk about this vocabulary. They have a lot of red tape. Well, red tape. Absolutely. This is a quite a good tape, uh, yeah. business business a bit of business jargon actually so we're in the right place to talk yeah. about it so what's red tape so yeah a lot of a lot of bureaucracy a lot of documents a lot of paperwork yeah uh too much if there's too much then you think oh wow, there's a lot of red tape too much red tape nah, i'm not going to bother okay here's the next one what is core competency core competency yeah, so core competency is your key skills. What do we do best? What do I do best if it's about me? Yeah, your what I've got written here is your your basic strength, the basic strength of a group or company. So yeah. Well don't well, you are on fire with the business ones. Yeah, I've got to make up for medical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, uh this is the last one. Uh what is Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Yeah, I hadn't heard of this one before either. Let me uh, help equity. you out. Um, it can, it, it's about um, if you work for a company, uh, yeah. it's about some benefits you might get. Sweat equity. Like kind of like performance related pay or what? Not really. Uh, okay, I'll tell you. That's not correct. Yeah, go on. Uh, it's when no, you get, no. <laughs> it's when you get a stake in the business instead of pay. So a stake means you you get some shares in the company. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that you you're rewarded with um, a stake in the company uh -huh. as opposed to receiving like some kind of proper payout. So now it's IT jargon, which I would completely okay. fail. So let's see how you do. Okay. The next one is an acronym. It's B Y O D. What does BYOD stand for? Bring your own device. That's correct! Bring your own device. A policy where an employee can, can decide to use their own private technology for business use. Typically a phone or computer, but it can also include tablets. Yeah, rare, I think. In, in big companies, they like you to have their, their software. They want to avoid any kind of malware and things like that. Um... But some companies yeah. say bring your own device. Yeah, some do. Okay, yeah, what I can think of a couple of companies that have implemented it, but yeah, I mean it's it's always a security risk, right? It's a security yeah, well I think they have to balance security with um uh streamlining. So if <laughs> some I don't yeah. know if because it says here whereby you an employee can decide to use their own device. But do you think there might be some instances where BYOD is compulsory. Like we don't have a computer for you. 
BYOD, bring your own um, device? I don't think so. Well, certainly not here in Germany. Hmm. Um, I, I can imagine there are some companies that very, very strongly encourage it. Um, I can't imagine that a company forces you to do that, though. We're, we're, we're speculating. Yeah, uh, we're speculating. Something new. I'm speculating. <laughs> uh, okay, what are carrier services? Carrier services. Carrier services. Um, hmm, good question. I mean, if I think about carrier services, I think kind of um, of, of mobile carriers. But I'm guessing they're kind of services that are um, in addition to the main product or the main service. Mm, more specific than that, so I'm going to give you... That's not correct. Oh, no. Uh, you were close when you said mobile carriers. It's basically... Uh, uh, internet companies, network operators. Uh, I'll read you what I have here. The term carrier is okay. short for wireless carrier. Other terms used to refer to the same thing include mobile network operator, cellular company, and wireless service provider. So it could be for phones. You see, I should have stuck to the mobile thing. Yeah, you were closer on that one. Yeah. Here's the next one. Another acronym, CMS. C C M S. What is it? It's a customer management system. Ooh. That's not correct. Ah, uh, the C was wrong. What? The C was wrong. Not customer management system. Uh, content management system. Oh, of course. Oh, I'm so stupid. Yeah, of course. Content management system. Yeah. So it's about where I've you. Have you CMSs before? <laughs> where you keep your content. So. Uh, cloud and web-based technologies that make it easy to store, share, and manage digital information within an organization. That's the organization's CMS. Yeah, yeah, darn it. Okay, and the last one, uh, a word which might sound familiar, but it's spelled differently. It's phishing, phishing, but with a PH at the beginning, not an F. So what is phishing? Phishing's usually like spam email, right? Or um, scamming. That's correct! Yeah, to scam, scamming, scam emails, uh, trying to fool you into... Give, oh, the, the definition I have here is really long. I'm going to read it anyway. A con that scanners... Not scanners. I can tell You can tell it's getting to the end of the podcast because there are more mistakes. Yeah, of course. No worries. If you want, I can just give an example. I had it today, really. Okay. Let, yeah. Let's let's go then. Say, just say I'll give you an example from today. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, Rob, I can give you an example uh, of uh, a phishing call that I got today mm. from India. So I got a phone call from India today from Microsoft Tech Support. Uh, asking me uh, what I'd done to my computer and that I had to pay a certain amount of money. Otherwise, they call the FBI on me. <laughs> wow. Really? Str straight to the to the deep end. <laughs> Very extreme. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you're in trouble, sir. You're going to be in big trouble. Oh, no. How much did they and, want? Uh, or did yeah. you not get as far as talking about figures? 2,000 euros. <laughs> oh, God. 
Okay, yeah. Th- that's a big thing, actually. The the Indian um, IT phone scam uh, con. And I found this out when I was trying to find some authentic material. So I wanted some... Um, because many, many English learners um, struggle with listening to... Not listening to understanding the indian accent so i wanted yeah. to get some uh it tech support indian accent real life examples to use in in class yeah. to listen to but when you when you look at it on youtube and you find try to find some genuine recordings youtube is just flooded with um people talking to scammers and people trying to scam the scammers or Pretending to pretending to be an old man and not really understanding uh, what the yeah, scammers are yeah. talking about. Scam baiters. Uh, scam baiters. Yeah, and it's mostly American, um, and they are quite funny. And there are some where the the people who the scammers call, the people who call the scammers, are hackers, and they can hack into the computers of the scammers. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of vigilante justice uh and it can be really funny but the problem is it makes it very hard to find usable stuff for english lessons with uh indian accents tech calls tech support calls yeah tech support calls are a bit of a tricky one um one thing of course that you can do is there there are loads of different conferences and exhibitions held in india right Uh um so if you Google those or look on YouTube for those um, exhibitions or conferences and things like that, you'll find real talkers. So if you look at tech conferences or, or things like that, or look in the mobile phone industry, for example, mm-hmm. uh, because one of the big industries um, for, for mobile um, mobile end devices at the moment is India for the mid to high range. You know, so mobile devices that cost around 400 to 200 going downwards actually uh dollars um so you can find some quite interesting content by 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 looking at topics as opposed to looking for specific learning purpose designed uh, material ah yeah good thanks i'm always looking for authentic material that's why i wanted just an example of a tech support call not made for language learning but a real life example uh but that's a good uh good pointer thanks Stephen. always Always with the good tips for teaching. Okay, so uh, okay. that ends the the quiz, the jargon quiz, and it ends the podcast. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Rob. Okay, great. And uh, I'm sure you, I'll have you on again at some point in the future. Um, but for now, uh, thanks a lot. See ya. See ya. Bye. Wait a minute. See ya is way too informal for a podcast about business English, especially since Stephen is a uh, not a, only a colleague, but a, a superior to me. So can, let's let's try and end it in a more formal way then, Stephen. OK, Rob. Uh, well, many thanks for your time today. I really appreciate the opportunity to participate in your uh, podcast. And I look forward to following up with you again soon. Outstanding. OK, bye bye. English with Rob